0: Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. 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 I'm glad to be worshiping with you today. Uh, as we are going through the uh, book of 1 Timothy, we are, we are in chapter 3. But before we get there, uh, we need to do a little preparatory work. And so we will, uh, I start with a question, one of two questions that I'll have for you this morning. And the first question is, who are you? I've been here for like three years. All right, all right. Some of you you all have pulling out your professor, okay? Some of you are pulling your IDs and passports and everything. Who are you? It's an important question. Uh, You may not be saying that phrase or asking that question very often, but you're always thinking about it, I imagine, you and me. Who am I? What am I... How, who am I in this situation? Uh, who am I uh, in relation to this person? And oftentimes, we answer that question depending on what's swirling around us, don't we? If we get a raise at work, well, we have a little bit different understanding, appreciation of who we are. If we get fired from that same job, all of a sudden our impressions <laughs> become a little bit different. We begin to, to wonder what we look like in other people's eyes, that's very often how we are evaluating who we are. Whether it's uh, your spouse, or your children, or your father, or your mother, or the people at work, your boss. And just reflecting in the mirror as your face begins to sag. Amen. We're moving that direction. You're old, you're tired. You're... So we're always answering that question... Who am I? And our answer really is all over the place. Like we have to constantly, maybe you're not like me, you you know what I'm talking about? We have to constantly remind ourselves who we are or try to discover who we are. And it causes us uh, fits of either depression or sadness or anger or it causes us to be very proud and a pain to be around. (laughs) Right. Because we have a we miss assess who we are. And so what is foundational, if you're if you're a new believer today, hopefully this is something that will be a great encouragement. If you're an older believer and you don't know this then we have a real problem. But we as the people of God, we have our identity based in Christ Jesus. That's that's who we are as Christians. And this is foundational and formative to us understanding who we are. It's because we see ourselves as a child of God. We see ourselves as Christians, little Christ. And so if we can stop for a moment and not say, well, what does this person think? Or how do I think I look in this situation? Or this is how life is really going. I'm, I'm not smart enough or I'm smarter than everybody else in the room, or I am secure, I'm not secure. The answer to those questions are, What is? what does Christ say about me? And so we don't have to look around at all the scenarios around. We we look into the, the book. We find out what Christ has said about us. And so believers in Christ Jesus... Keep going back and saying, Well, what, what does what is Jesus, what is the Word of God saying about who I am? And what we'll find is for those who are followers after Jesus Christ, those who've repented and turned to Him and given their lives to Him, He says, Now you are adopted into the family of God. The Holy Spirit lives within you, you are His forever. You are sealed and held on to. You are of infinite value. When I say infinite, I don't mean just big. I mean forever. To him. You are greatly loved. Some of you need to hear that today. Your identity is not where you live. It isn't what you succeed or fail at. It's whose you are. And so, as you are walking through that life, and Satan is gonna gonna come chirp in your ear, you're an idiot, you're a failure, you're a loser, or you are awesome. You are so awesome. They don't even appreciate how awesome you are. You can say, wait a minute, I'm not listening to the bird. I'm listening to the Lord because the Lord says I am of infinite value to him. So much so that he would die on a cross in order to make things right. So you you need to speak to that voice. And you need to have a proper evaluation. But it doesn't stop there because he also then calls us out to be his people and to be holy as he is holy. So it isn't just that we are saying I identify with Christ, that means that you are also going to live like him. And so we walk with this, we walk in this life with a humble peace. Did you hear that? A humble peace. A peace that says, I'm okay. I am okay not because of who I am, but because who he says I am. And I can look at every situation I find myself in. I'm not looking for through your eyes or even my own eyes. I'm looking for what he is saying about me. And beyond that, I am then recognizing that I look unholy all the time. And so I am in need of then following after him and realizing I'm not all that. I need a savior. And so I need to be living out this holy life. So to recognize I do fail. And even though I fail, I am greatly loved by my Lord and I'm okay. So we walk this life in a humble peace. Was that helpful? Is, is that good for our hearts today to answer that question? But it doesn't stop there because then the second question is this, you know, we have to be careful because we just stop at the first question. The first question is, who are we? Or who, are, who am I? The second one is, who are we? We don't ask that question very often. It, it, I, I mean, I don't ask that question very often. Who are we? Because that's an important question as well. You know, in the, in the states here, as, as Americans, and especially as Texans, I've got to be honest with you. We, we, we believe in rugged individual, individualism. Pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. I saw a quote that, that Brad published up about George Bush. He said, uh, pe- they say about people in Texas, they have a swagger, but we just say it's walking. <laughs> yeah. And so we also live in a culture that is very naval based. Do You know what that means? It's staring at our navels. We think about ourselves, so we're always asking the question, who am I? But that's not every culture, and that's not the way of Christ as well. We should also be asking, who are we? Who are we? And so Justin read just a a few minutes ago from Ephesians chapter 4, and if you take this as truth, which I hope you do, then... Then what we find is even the the precursor to this, uh, it says in chapter four, verse uh, four, there is one body and one spirit, just as we were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith and one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You see, he's saying all of us are together as as one. And then he goes on to say further down that that we are to be the body of Christ together. We are held together by sinews. I like that word. Sinew. We're, we're, We're bound together as the people of God. Bound together. Does it feel like we're always bound together? We're bound together as the people of God for the purpose of growing up in him. And growing up into the head, which is Christ, who is Christ. Some of you have heard this story, but I just love telling it, so I'm going to tell it again. Um, Sixth grade, Bruce Corbett said to me, you know, Marcus, you've got a big head. So you're not arrogant. Your head is just really big. (laughs) And you might look at me today and say, well, your head is not that big, but I had this same size head on a little bitty body. I was like a bobblehead, you know, hey, how can you (laughs) do it? And that's the picture here. We have, on this body, we have a head, the big head of Christ. And we're walking around like bobbleheads because the body can't support it, right? But he's saying now, what I want us to do is I want the body to grow up into the head, to mature into the head. So it is important for us to ask the question, who are we? Because a great deal is expected of us. We are to grow into this whole body. And it is a protection. Listen to this. Uh, In verse 13, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning. So we're going to be manipulated by all kinds of different kinds of teaching in the world, by the cunning of others, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, we learn to speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. So not only do you need to be answering the question for yourself, who am I? in order not to be blown back and forth by all the circumstances around you, but you are to be answering the question, who are we? Because that too keeps us from all kinds of trouble. You don't know how bad we need each other in Christ. We need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I need you. We need each other. We are growing up into the body of Christ. And so... We are spending this time looking in First Timothy and we are learning what it is to be the family of God. We are doing this because there is great importance that our Lord puts on being the family of God. And we need to le- lo- learn how to do this. We need to find those areas in which we are, we are doing well and those areas that we need to mature. We need to not just ask the question, who am I? But to ask the question, who are we? Who are we supposed to be? That is the second foundational truth. And the body consists of all of us as members of that body ministering. We, we aren't a church of many bodies, we are one body. And so as you look across this room and you see other people, you need to know that they are very important to you. Because, yes, Jesus sees you, but he sees us more than you might guess. And we have a responsibility to each other to grow up together. And so when we see these little guys running around, we have a great great value for our little guys because we're a part of raising them up. As we see a brother or sister faltering, they're important to us. So we need to go to them. We need to help disciple each other. We need to correct each other. We need to work together as the people of God. That's how we begin to answer, who are we? So Paul writes this letter, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to young Timothy. And young Timothy is over the church at Ephesus and Paul says, I hope to come back to you. And there's a pretty good idea that he's not going to make it. And so he gives them these important words for him to help understand who we are. Last week, we saw that within this body, there is an org chart. There is... Christ at the head, as we just looked in Ephesians. But then God has given us elders in the church. And today we are going to look at, he also gives us another group of people in the church, and these are the deacons. Let me read the scriptures for us. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 8. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified. Now, we start that off and let you know that if you don't know verses one through seven, which talks about the overseers, you've missed stuff and you need to go back and watch that. Uh, go to the website and watch that or watch it on Facebook because you missed something important. Because when we talked about overseers last week, the qualifications and the, the thoughts behind overseers apply to deacons. We don't have time to go through that. Otherwise, we're going to be here an hour and a half. So likewise, please read one through seven. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives, likewise, must be dignified, not slanderers, but sober-minded, faithful in all things, let deacons each be the husband of one wife, managing their children in their own households well. For those who serve, as, serve well as deacons gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. So we have elders and we have deacons. Last week, Justin spoke about the role of elders in the church. And these elders... It doesn't mean just old people. Uh, It it means those who have an office in the church, who are respected and honored, and who carry out certain responsibilities. The responsibilities, as Justin Justin mentioned last week, is to lead and feed the church. That's their main focus, is to lead and feed the church, to have oversight, and then to teach the word, to make sure that the word that is taught in the church is in keeping with correct doctrine. Now, that doesn't mean that they just sit in an ivory tower and look down on everyone. Remember, if you were here a few weeks ago, we saw that Paul called himself a diakonos. He called himself a, a, a one who is working so hard. You remember that word? It's like a cloud of smoke. You just see the smoke. You don't see the person inside. You can barely see them inside. Like he's working so the, the role of an elder is, is a work, and it is a very time-consuming and an, a burden-bearing office in the church. Some of you asked, I thought this was very helpful, a, a follow-up to the sermon. And you're, the, one of the questions is, well, what do they actually do? Like, okay, we got it, but like, what are they doing? So let me give you an idea. We have, we have basically two kinds of, uh, of elders in the church. We have elders that are teaching elders that are uh, on staff. And then we also have lay elders. Those are those who are not getting paid by the church. And all of them serve as elders. So what you don't know is happening behind the scenes is that those elders are praying for you. They're praying for you. They're praying for you by name. These elders are, uh, in our church, the way that they serve, they are having people in their homes, hospitality. They are putting out fires in the church. If you've not been around church very long, you don't know. that There's lots of fires in the church. And they are working towards peace and reconciliation. You will find elders in this church, all of the elders, uh, at some point are teaching. They may be teaching in a small group, they may be teaching in Sunday school, they may be preaching from up here, but they, their role is to be teachers and to review the teaching that's done, that's given out to those who are teaching in the church. So as people are teaching in the church in small groups and men's ministry or women's ministry, they have responsibility to look over what is being taught, to make sure that things are being taught with correct doctrine. It's their responsibility to do those things. You'll you'll find uh, these elders meeting uh, very regularly to discuss the matters of the church, uh, to care for the flock, to have an oversight of the church. And so we will visit for hours and take retreats. And you don't see any of that, but all of that is happening. And and I say that, I'm getting paid to do this, so I'm okay. But you need to know there are lay elders here who are giving their lives for you. And you probably don't even realize it. And they're not going to say anything. (laughs) Otherwise, they'd probably disqualify themselves as being elders. But they're not standing up and saying, you know, I'm spending all this time on you. And you're so worried about this election, you should be worried about who your elders are. That's who you should be worried about. Because your elders have more influence on your life as they pray for you and care for your souls than your governors and presidents. And so I want to honor those guys, especially these lay elders who you don't know that they're doing anything. And they are. Uh, just this last week, uh, last two weeks, Brad Deloach has been meeting with me and getting my mind square about this sermon about deacons and helping me understand how to, how to present and explain things. And so, uh, man of oh God, very helpful in the life of the church. So we have those who are our elders in the church. You should interact with them in this way. The Bible in the book of James says that when you are sick, call for the elders, and they will come. Don't expect them necessarily to come if you don't call them. I want to tell you that. That is your responsibility. Say, oh, I don't want them to trifle with me. No, 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 no. They'll trifle with you. <laughs> call us. We will come. We'll come. We'll even come oftentimes if you don't call us. But you have a responsibility. Call us. Let the elders come and pray over you. Let us know what's going on. Uh, if you have issues that you are having with other people in the church, come. Come to the elders. It, I want to tell you, it's okay to wrestle with the elders a little bit. If you do it in, uh, in humility. And as we walk in humility, mindful that they are watching over the entire body. Each of us has our own like idea of how things ought to go, right? Like how this, your decision affects me. That's true. And oftentimes the decisions that we make for the whole body, sometimes don't hit you right. That's, that's the nature of it. So feel free, come and talk to the elders. Let us... Let us work on this together as the people of God. Let us walk humbly together. I know as you hear that, many of you think, I do not want that job. (laughs) That's okay. God has called some to that position, to that place. Likewise, God has called others to the honorable position of being deacons. Right now, we have no deacons in the church. That's about to change. The word diaconos, that's used here in Greek for deacon is not something that we throw around oftentimes, right? You don't, there are another other people you're calling deacons. So what does the word diakonos mean? Well, it's, it's uh, actually a fairly difficult word to define. There is uh, uh, Dr. Clarence D. Agon III did the work for us. He studied 770 usage, usages of this Greek word Dioconus in both the Bible and in all of literature from the, that you can find from the 6th century B.C. to the 3rd century A.D. Wasn't that nice of him? I, I hope they paid him. And he found four categories, and I may be getting a little technical here, but uh, since it's a new word for us, I want us to kind of grapple with it just a little bit. When it's used, it can be used as a table servant. It can be used as a domestic servant, as a messenger, or as an agent. An agent who carries out the business of someone else. Okay? So through these 770 usages... It means those things. And so by context, and you you can't tell by the spelling of the word, but you can understand that the use oftentimes is of this table servant, someone who is working at the table and they're they're clearing the table and they are a real servant of those whom they're serving. But the idea is better understood as this agent uh, in in this passage in in chapter 3. That this person, who is a deacon, a diakonos in the church, is an agent. They are an agent of the elder. They are an assistant to the elder, to the elders. And so the role of a deacon is an assistant for the elders to to carry out the work that has been given to the elders. When I I first moved here, I was a, a young man. I was 22 or 23 years old. And uh, so in my household growing up, my dad was a, a, great, is a great musician, uh, but we don't know how to do anything in the house, really. We, we, we weren't much house fixing kind of people, car fixing people. I was the worst. So when I got here, by the grace of God, I found a mechanic. You know what I mean? You found a mechanic, not, not just like any mechanic, but a mechanic that you know will get it done and do it right and not charge you too much. You know how much great relief there is when you can find a mechanic like that? And I also found a plumber. Oh, man. If you have a mechanic and a plumber, you you can live life. I mean, you can be free. You have guys in your life that can get her done. You know what I mean? Because... Last time I worked on the car, I, I, I tried to fix the A.C. and destroyed the compressor. You know, it's good to have those kinds of guys in your life. And that's what a deacon is for the for the elders. The elders say, oh, as we're looking at over here, here's a here's a major issue that we need to be resolved in the church. And we need somebody who can get her done. We need someone who has skills and abilities, who's qualified, that can go and make a difference to raise up the church so the church will be grown up. The elders don't need to do it by themselves. They have their own set of things they're supposed to be doing for the health and life of the church. But there's another group of people that God's calling out, and we're asking who we are. We are elders and deacons and members. That's who we are. And he's calling out those deacons to serve as agents of the elders as they oversee the life of the church. And they can say, man, we need this in the life of the church. We need to care for these these, uh, these people who are sick or we need to care for these people who are having financial troubles or problems with their marriages. We need people like that, these diakonos to come along, these deacons to come along and to put some, some time and energy and exercise their gifts in the lives of the people and to call them out into this kind of ministry. It's imperative that the church have deacons it's more imperative that they have elders, though. There are many churches that have We I mean, have elders but don't have deacons. I've been to churches that have deacons and no elders. When I'm in Kakoma refugee camp, uh, either they've moved away or been killed, the pastors. And so you just have deacons. And boy, those guys, i got to be honest, those guys struggle. They struggle because they don't know the word. Or, or some of them don't know the word. They're, they are not called to that position. And everything is upside down in that church. But God also blesses the church, not just with elders, but with deacons. And I want to tell you, our church needs deacons. We need you. And so the the deacons are to have, Oh, oh, I was going to tell you this too. So if you think about the body of Christ and you think about elders, elders in the body of Christ are really like the eyes for overseeing, and the mouth to speak, to teach. The deacons, are y'all tracking with me? Okay. The deacons are to be the arms of the church, not the hands. At first I was thinking maybe the hands, right? That would make sense. But they're more than the hands because all of us are called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. That that is the job of the members. But the deacons, they're extending the reach of the church. They're calling others, come, come, Let's, we need to care for this person. We need to help and outreach here. We need to organize and do this. We need to do a better job of hospitality. Come help me as we do this or that. So it's not just the hand, but it's the arm that is extending the reach of the church. Which is more important? The members, the elders, or the deacons? Yes. They're equal in value. All working together for the same purpose. To build up the body of Christ. To make the body look like the bobblehead. The deacons are to assist the elders for the growth of the body. The deacons assist the elders, growth of the body. You saw in that first verse that it said, likewise, they are to, the, de- the deacons are like to be like the elders in that. It is a noble task they choose, but it's also a task that comes with qualifications. We we can we saw these qualifications last week, and, and it's almost as if these same qualifications are made for the for the deacons as well. Most significantly, I'd like you to see it says to to serve with dignity, people who are who are dignified dignified is this kind of outward facing thing it's how other people see you and and what kind of reputation you have and just like Justin said last week you would think in the qualifications for elders there would be a qualification like they can preach really good or that they could or that they're having a quiet time or they're praying those qualifications are aren't in there that's assumed But it's really important for those who are serving these offices to have a good reputation in the community. A reputation where other people will follow them. So it's important that whatever whatever you are to the community, that has real importance as to who you are in the church. So in order to be a deacon, you too must be qualified. You must be tested in those qualifications. And we, we see a list here. But these lists, I want you to know, also are not complete. Because the, the lists are different in Titus and here. The general idea is, do they have a good reputation? Are they, are they in good standing in the church? Are they good standing in their family? Are, are they responsible? Are they, are they worthy to be followed? This is the, the way of a deacon and elder. Qualified. So as I share this with you, you have to wonder, why would I want to do that? (laughs) That seems a lot of work. Seems a lot of things to do. Well, thankfully, uh, we can look at the scriptures and it gives us the answer. (laughs) It says, for those who serve well as deacons, they gain a good standing for themselves and also great confidence in the flesh, Uh, sorry, confidence in the faith that is in Christ Jesus. Sorry about that. So for those who serve well as deacons, these are the things that can be promised to you. That you will receive a good standing. That you will, that others will recognize your position and you will see, be seen as a servant of God. That's pretty nice. You'll be recognized as a servant of God. You will get to be on the front lines of seeing the ministry of God being given out to people inside and outside the church. And then, and then you also get this confidence in your faith. And in 2 Peter, it talks about that you should add to your faith all of these qualities so that you might make your election sure. That's the phrase it uses. And it's the same idea here: you are already elected, you are already saved. Your faith is, is part and parcel to your salvation. But there's a confidence you gain in that faith when you're living it out. That's what it's saying. You know, we oftentimes doubt our faith. Maybe you don't, but I do. There are times that it comes in and out, right? Like, mm, I see my unfaithfulness. I wonder, is there really faith there at all, right? But this is a faithful task. And as you complete it, you go, you know what? I feel very secure. Like I see God working in me. There's something happening here. This is awesome. That's what you get. That's pretty nice. These are the, the benefits of those who are the servants of God, recognized that the servants of God active in his service. So what will it look like in our church? I don't know exactly yet. I, I don't know exactly what areas that our people would be working in. But usually it's like in areas of mercy ministry where you're dealing with people in the church and outside of the church who have many needs and you help organize and you're a cheerleader and you call people to that kind of ministry. It may be towards international missions and, and calling our people to go and serve uh, in faraway places like Detroit or Strange lands. Local community awareness. uh, I mean, local community ministries providing awareness and participation. Like our basketball camp. Providing events, hospitality. There are many ways that you can can conserve. You can be the extension of the elders and be the arms for the church. Just a side note, church. I want to tell you that things are changing. Things are changing at Redeemer and I would expect in like the next 6 months we're going to see more and more people who are coming to our church, who don't know our church, who are in need. In spiritual need, young Christians, not Christians yet, broken families, broken marriages, broken jobs, broken cars, just broken. Just flat broke. We're going to have more and more people like that. Are we going to be ready? Are we going to be ready for that? Or are we going to say, I don't know, we don't have a, we don't have anything on our website for that. We'll get back with you. Or, hey, elders, will y'all take care of that? And the elders are going to go, yeah, I've got three of those, three folks like that I'm working with right now, you know. No, we need to be ready. Amen, church? Are we going to be ready? We're going to be ready. And part of being ready for that is we we need some deacons. Because that's about to happen. Over the next six months. So we need to be prepared. So what we will be doing in this church, we'll be calling folks to come and serve as deacons. It'll be a three-year term. You you should expect to probably work one to three hours a week. Some weeks you might work work 10 hours. Who knows? You'll be meeting with other deacons and elders. You'll be a cheerleader, a recruiter. You'll be caring and serving. What we will do at our church in order to develop this ministry of the church, you as church members can begin submitting names of other people, not yourself, of other people that you think are qualified for this. They may not want to do it, but you can submit their names. And you say, you know, this person has the qualities that I see right here in 1 Timothy. And I think they would be outstanding and serving our church. I would love for them to do this. And so you'll submit those at info at RedeemerBrenham.org. Uh, we'll, have a, we'll actually have a form for you uh, next week that you can fill out and, and submit their names. We'll come back and we'll follow up on these names as the elders and work through this qualifying process. Uh, once we have some agreement there, then we'll have a training for those people. And then uh, we'll have at Pentecost, We're going to have a commissioning service with our new deacons and we're going to have a celebration and we're going to find out what they're going to be doing and how we can work well with them. And so then the next few months will be spent on implementing those deacons in the areas of service for the building up of the body. So there you go. That's what we're going to do. Paul is saying that we are to be the people of God and this is how you do it. This is how you form yourself as a community. So we're going to step out in faith, right? I mean, we may get zero applications. I don't know. Or we may get a hundred. I don't know. Many of you are working like this already and you don't have the title. You're a diakonos. You're like Paul. You're working hard. I don't want to discredit that. It's happening. There are some members who are not doing, are doing diddly squat, to be honest with you. Barely can get you here on a Sunday. That needs to change. We need to be faithful in attendance. We need to be faithful not for just ourselves, but for the people around you. We need to be building up the body of Christ. There's plenty of ministry to be done here. Be here. Serve. And some will be called the deacons. Love for you to be a part. There's probably 17 questions that come from this. And I want you to feel free to come talk to me. Send me an email. Whatever. Call me. And I'd love to answer those. Maybe we'll, we'll answer some of those questions in a, a letter email or something to the whole church. But that would be helpful. Amen. All right. I'm landing the plane. God is calling us to something greater. Amen. Do you want to go? Let's go. Not for our glory, but for for God's glory to build up the body. We might be his people. We might be a bright, shining light to our community. That we might have great love for each other to grow in our faith as we serve. That we might grow up into the head and be the healthy body of Christ. To God be the glory. Lord, we thank you um, for your word that teaches us, instructs us, instructs us and Lord helps us when we don't really know what we're doing. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would um, bless our church, Uh, let your spirit work in us, that we might um, grow into, uh, the body might grow up. We realize that it is uh, both by your work and the work that you give us. Lord, that happens. And so Lord, help us to be faithful. Lord, we might be able to answer the question, who we are. We bless the name of our Lord who made all of this possible. Amen.